everybody, welcome back for the third episode of the Veteran Sound Podcast. Today's guest is Richard Casper. Richard Casper is the co-founder of Creative Vets. Creative Vets is an organization based out of Nashville, Tennessee, that brings professional songwriters and veterans together to help veterans share their story through song. It was a privilege being able to interview Richard, and I am very happy to be able to share his story with you. So without further ado, I'm going to get right into the episode. Thank you. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Veteran Sound Podcast. I'm here today with Richard Casper of the Creative Vets Foundation or Creative Vets Nonprofit. Um, they do some really cool stuff. I believe they're based out of Nashville, correct? Yeah, well, we're technically an Illinois nonprofit, but based, yeah, based in Nashville. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and let him take it away because he, he has a remarkable story and I'm very interested to just kind of pay attention and just let him take the, let him take the reins. Uh, so uh, go ahead and you, if you want to introduce yourself and um, just tell the listeners a little bit about kind of your history, your, your veteran history, and then how you became, how you got involved with, with such a cool organization. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my, my story starts, it was uh, in 2003, I was a senior in high school. And uh, at that point, I knew I was going to the Marine Corps because in 2001, when the towers fell, I had already made a decision about the military, but I didn't know which branch yet. And then that kind of gave me that decision that I wanted to join the Marine Corps. I wanted to be the first person overseas fighting. Um, and so after I signed up in 2003, I had about two weeks out of high school uh, before I went off to boot camp. And I got sent to uh, MCRD San Diego for boot camp. And then I was, I signed up to be infantry. So my trajectory changed a ton just based off of that choice alone. So I go to boot camp 2003, Marine Corps boot camp. Everything's going fine. And then like the two second week into it, all of a sudden they come out uh, with a list into, and they, they have my name on a list and you, you never want your name on a list. <laughs> and uh, they called us special testers. And uh, I was super confused by that because I was like, oh my gosh, do they think I'm dumb or something? Am I, they were only, they only listed infantrymen. And they listed like 12 or 15 from our platoon. And they did this from every platoon that was in boot camp at that time. And uh, we had no idea why, but we went off to another little area and they were testing us. And it was like psychological tests, it's a bunch of random stuff. And so each time we'd come back from it, there'd be less and less of us that would go back the second time and then the third time and the fourth time. So probably started with three to 400 people when we first started it. And then by the second month of boot camp, there was probably only like 20 of us. And uh, still at this point, not knowing what they didn't know, they were even, yeah, 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 what they were doing. And um, that's when they told us, they said, you all have been selected to guard the president of the United States, either at Camp David or White House Communications. And we we're just like, wait, what? Where, where did this come from? Yeah. How is this? Yeah. How is like, this even a no, job? Hey, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like I had to sign up for an MOS before coming <laughs> yeah I, I had no idea and so that was the deal and so we went through a last round of like interviews one-on-one -on -one interviews that's the last portion of it and i ended up getting selected and uh so from that moment on my trajectory changed it was like i'm not going to war right away but i still have to go through my infantry school so i went to the soi for tw two more months and then while i was there training to go to the, that first uh, push for Fallujah, that's where all my friends went. And then I got sidetracked and had to go to a different place. So I went from there to security force school because it was almost like having a secondary billet. So I went there for another two months, um, did the security force school, and then went to Washington, D.C. 
for 11 months at eighth and I until my clearance went through. And then once my clearance went through, I went up to Camp David. So MCRD, Maryland and, uh, or Thermont. And, uh, I was up there for 14 months under George W. Bush. So I, I lived and I worked and it was one of the coolest experiences of my life being up there. But I had this opportunity to stay for the rest of my four years because after I joined the Marine Corps, I thought it was going to be a 20 year career, but ended up right away being like, never mind, going to do this a four year thing. Yeah. <laughs> and like most people. And then, uh, but I couldn't get out of the military without going to war and uh, going to fight for my country. So I told them, all due respect, thanks for asking me to stay, but I'm going to bounce. And so I left there, went to 27 and 29 Palms. And did a workup for deployment there when I didn't make deployment for them because I didn't have enough time left. So they said, hey, we get uh, we leave for Iraq January of 07 and you get out in June of 07. So you don't make our deployment. Yeah, we'll still be in Iraq when you're supposed to be getting out. I was like, well, is there a unit leaving soon? Because I'll just hop on with them. And they they sent me to 1st Tank Battalion under a tow platoon. So it was pretty much mounted infantry. And I was like, sweet. So I went over there with them. And uh, we went over as a platoon to Fallujah in 2006, 2007. And within that first four months, my Humvee was blown up four separate times by IEDs and my buddy was shot and killed beside me. And oh. so after four months, I was considered unfit for duty. So I couldn't, I couldn't actually do my job anymore. I had to sit up on base in Camp Fallujah while my buddies went out uh, into the, the real fight. And I had to sit on the base and just fill sandbags and clean up piss bottles at the, on the little base. And so I stayed there for the next like three months before we went back home. And uh, the moment we touched down, I, I was checking out of the Marine Corps because I ended up having to extend one month in the Marine Corps just to even be able to go with oh, them. That. Yeah. yeah, because I didn't know at the time that I didn't meet their deployment either. And I was like, can you just extend me like a month? And they said, yeah. I was like, oh, cool. If you would have told me this, I would have just stayed with two seven. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and so they extended me and uh, I touched down. I never, I never got like a CAT scan or, or anything while I was over in Iraq. So I thought I was fine. I was just, you know, young, dumb Marine, just getting out of the Marine Corps, signing out as fast as I can. Never saw medical and uh, I just left. And so no retirement, no nothing, not knowing I was injured really. Besides I had migraines every single day, uh, short-term memory problems and stuff. But I thought because they did get a little bit better since I like the fourth time I got blown up. I was like, hey, maybe this will just keep going away. Maybe it'll slowly, like, I'm just real, sh I'm shocked still. So I get out, take about six months off. Uh, I had a Harley at the time. I'd go to Sturgis, do a lot of stuff that doesn't really require too much brain power. Yeah. And uh, I, I was like, settled down after that, said, okay, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to go to college, just a part-time job, go to college, get a four-year degree, and then uh, go back into some field like FBI, CIA, something that matched my credentials in the Marine Corps and at Camp David, because I had a clearance, so why waste it? Right. And uh, that went way out the wayside because I started saying, you know, my backup to that was owning a business or, or doing something entrepreneurial. So I started these business classes at a community college in Illinois, and I was going to go two years community college, then to a four-year college and get the rest of my degree. And, uh, I started failing my classes like instantly as I started going there. Then I started getting really horrible anxieties and depression and to the point where I couldn't even hardly go to class or I couldn't do things without throwing up. Like I couldn't go to job interviews. Like all these things that were so weird to me from being class clown prom king, going fighting in war, doing anything in front of anybody. Now 
I can't get up in front of class of these 18, 19 year old kids uh, at college just to tell a story about something totally random right. because my anxieties were bad. It was like, I felt like a piece of crap and I didn't know what was wrong with me. That's when I checked myself into the VA just to figure it out, be like, hey, here's what happened. What's wrong with me? And that's when they diagnosed me with my left traumatic brain injury and PTS and all the other things I got diagnosed with. And then, so I was in a really bad place though, because I just didn't know what to do. I said, if I can't learn new technical skills, which is a part of my brain injury and, uh, and I have these short-term memory issues and all this other stuff, how am I going to be successful in anything? And so I said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to try to get an easy degree because you don't have to have a specific degree to be a field agent in FBI CIA. Obviously it looks a little bit better if it is like a police kind of thing, but you can have any degree and you could still sign up with my qual with my qualifications and background. I would be a shoe in anyway. So I said, you know what, screw it. I'll just do an art degree. I'll get an easy degree in art. Like I'll just draw my way to, to get right. out of here. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. And just get out. But what happened was the art ended up truly changing my life. It was at that community college where I was doing this piece about my buddy who was shot and killed beside me. I have this photo of me at his grave because I go there every single year and visit his family in Houston, Texas. And uh, I just wanted to do this art piece for myself, no, for nobody else besides me. I didn't tell any of the kids in the class what happened to me. I just, I was just, you know, a recluse. I was staying away from them just like they were staying away from me. And uh, I started drawing this piece and coloring it in with the chalk pastel. And I have the skin tones colored in the way they're supposed to be. The sh cami shorts, the black shirt, the headstone. The only thing I didn't have colored in at this point was the background, which was green because it's grass. That's yeah. the thought process anyways. And my teacher came around to me and he said, hey, Richard, instead of doing the grass green like you're going to, I want to encourage you to do it a color that grass would never be. If you do this, then people from the outside looking in will see that color and see that it's different and then know that you as the artist meant for them to like view this and evoke an emotion or something else and I thought that was super dumb because you know I'm not I wasn't an artist I just <laughs> I was just drawing this really cool right, photo. right, right. and uh but I was yeah, like yeah I was like okay I'll I'll yeah, do it anyways I, yeah I did everything red and uh I honestly don't know why I mean marines we always say you know blood makes the grass grow so maybe that's why but just did everything red and uh there's things in the art world called critiques, which I didn't know about either. Cause again, I'm just doing this as a cop-out. I'm doing art as a cop-out, easy degree. And uh, he's like, okay, we're gonna put our pieces up and talk about them. I was like, well, I'll put them up but I ain't talking about it. Right. And uh, they asked the students that they wanna talk about the piece. No, at first they asked me if I wanna talk about it. I was like, no, I don't wanna talk about it. Then he said, students, do you wanna talk about Richard's piece? And I said, and they said, yeah, I think that uh, you put red in there because you're angry that he died. I think you put red in there because you saw the blood and that you were there with him when he died. And I'm sitting here thinking like, how do these kids who yeah, yeah. have no idea what my story is, right? one color could change their whole perspective. And for a split second, I felt connected to them. I was like, this is the weirdest thing. Cause I didn't say a word and they understood what I was going through and it like with a little bit. And so it kind of, it really opened up my eyes that if I could do that with one color, what can I do with all the colors and all the symbols and all the different things and so many veterans out there who struggled to talk about what they went through and how to how to relate that to civilians and all of a sudden I did it with one little color and they understood kind of what I was going through and what I've been through without me saying anything 
It's like, that's insane. So I started really diving into this idea of like colors and symbolism and conceptual art and abstract art and all this stuff. And just kind of getting excited about the idea that I could tell all these individual stories with hardly anything and people can relate to them on another level, emotional level. And uh, so I started diving into it and about close to the time I was getting ready to get my just associate's degree at that community college, a representative from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago came down and talking about, and again, I'm super art dumb at this point and I have no idea who, I couldn't even name an artist. I probably like Salvador Dali and, and Jackson Pollock, probably the only two people I ever even heard of before this time. And uh, so I have no idea that they come down and say, we're one of the best art schools in the whole country and it's in my backyard like it's up in Chicago, so not too far away. I've never heard of this school before, or art museum. And uh, they said, Walt Disney went here, Georgia O'Keeffe listed a bunch of other artists. I had no idea who they were. And I was like, well, this seems pretty cool. I think maybe I'll go here. And I told my teacher that. And he was like, no, he's like, this is, he's like, this is like a Harvard of art schools. You either have to have a lot of money or you have to be studying art most of your life to get in. And I said, well, screw that. Um, this is the only school I'm going to apply for. And I applied for it and I brought up my portfolio, which was all still live. So in the art world, you, when you're learning art, you do still live. So like you sitting there, I could draw you and that'd be a still life. The, the red that I put in my image, that's more a conceptual piece because it has symbolism and it has different things in there. They were looking for more of the conceptual, less of the, the craftsman just drawing stuff. But when I came up there for my portfolio review, where everyone else has these amazing images and these amazing concepts. I have like 10 pieces of, of like homework of these still lives and then like two maybe conceptual pieces. And so it was an uphill battle right away. And I just trying to sell myself. And they said, listen, listen, you're a good draftsman. You could draw, you could paint, you could do all that fun stuff. But what we really rely on or what we really invest in here as students is that next big idea, the, the concepts, the ideas, the all these things and I said well here's what I want to do I was restricted at this community college because I just discovered art I was restricted by doing these assignments by my teacher but now if I if you allow me into your school I'm going to do art that makes you feel what it feels like to be blown up or what loss of innocence and war looks like and I started explaining some of my ideas and they ended up letting me in to the, one of the best art schools in the country so I went there for the next two years two and a half years and learn how to really tell my story in different ways. And what, what was weird about it was I was starting to get excited to talk about brain injury and excited to talk about, not excited, but I was more happy to talk about the death of my friend because it was a way that translated it differently because I was creating things out of nothing and then people would see it. And then I was empowered to tell them as much as I wanted to. So the more abstract I made it, the more open I was to tell a civilian one thing and a combat vet the other thing and like the real thing. So I got to pick and choose kind of my battles when it came to conversation. And so along this same period of time, I started writing songs and doing creative writing. And uh, cause again, I thought, hey, I don't want to cry in front of people. So what if I had a song about my buddy who was shot and killed that I could just give to people? Cause I also don't want him to die again. I don't want people to stop talking about him. So if I had a song and you came and asked me about him I could just hand you that song and walk away. And all of a sudden, you know that Luke lived and. I did what I needed to do. So I started trying to write songs and uh, teaching myself via YouTube how to play guitar and songwriting. And uh, I got to the point where I had a song, but it didn't do them justice. 
And so when I was in Chicago going to school, I met some songwriters at this bar I bounced at and uh, they were some big old hit writers in country music. And I, I went up to them afterwards and just talked to each one of them. But one guy specifically, I asked if, if he's written with veterans before or, vo or even for a veteran. And he said, yeah, me and Billy Ray Cyrus wrote a song called Runway Lights about the staff sergeant coming home from war. And I was like, well, I was like, here's the issue. I have all this stuff inside of me I need to get out. I don't know how to talk about it. It's been like drumming up inside of me and I'm trying to write a song about it. If I come to you in Nashville, will you help me tell that story? And he said, yes. And so a month later or so, I drive down to Nashville and my first co-write ever is with a guy who has like six number one hits and he helped me tell my story. And we wrote a song and a half in like three hours. And it just completely changed my perspective on how to tell stories and and it, it started, I started really thinking about my buddies and how, how much you could do for them to sit in a room rather with a therapist or a psychiatrist, but sit in a room with a songwriter and talk for an hour and all of a sudden have a song in two more hours that tells your story or life and you're excited to share with people. It's a totally different kind of uh, mentality you have leaving that room opposed to the other rooms. Right. And right. so we wrote that song and changed my life. And I went to uh, this lady I connected with in Chicago, who's a philanthropist. And I said, this, well, no, I actually went to her after I tested this out myself. So I said, well, this worked on me. I graduated from the school in Chicago and I had these songs written and I thought my life completely changed. It went from almost suicidal to a hundred percent, close to a hundred percent me again, where I was able to go to interviews, go talk to people, go be normal again. And it was all because of art. And so I took a friend down who has a uh, burns over 60% of his body and uh, lost his leg. He's, an, he's another Marine I grew up with. And I said, Jesse, if you want to go to, to Nashville with me, I'll pair you with the number one songwriter and we'll tell your story and I'll help you tell that story. And so he's like, heck yeah, dude, I love music. And so I brought him down. We wrote a song and uh, we actually just released it in February um, to the world. And there's a music video on YouTube too. It's called Until It Feels Like Home. But uh and we told his story and changed his life. He, he was sending it to everybody, people he never talked to before about his issues. He sent it to them all. So I knew I was on to something special. And that's when I approached that lady who was a philanthropist in Chicago and said, all I know is I want to create a nonprofit to help other veterans tell these stories that typically wouldn't have access to or even know they want to tell these stories because they don't know about music, songwriting, and art. And she said, okay, so she helped me co-found Creative Vets, and we started in 2013 just by sending veterans to Nashville to write with number one writers about what they went through. And it's just expanded ever since. So I'll stop there for now if you have any questions about that. Yeah, it's um, so kind of riding off of that. So that's in 2013 when it rolled out, it was sending veterans to Nashville to work with songwriters. And since then has it kind of expanded do you guys do the full production of the music and i think i saw on your website you guys have a partnership with uh big machine records yeah we have a ton of stuff now yeah that first that first year it was only nine veterans who came to nashville that we worked with because we paid for their flights or food their housing for all three days they were in town the second year we introduced our art program so that's we had now we enrolled veterans into the school there in chicago and we pay for their tuition, their housing, their food, and we fly them there. So they get to live in dorm rooms. They get to go to school. They have food stipend. Um, if they're, we're there with other combat vets just learning how to do art. And then over the years, we kind of like, we stayed pretty stagnant with the, just those two programs, but we kept growing each year, helping more and more veterans. 
And then uh, about three years ago, we really made a drastic change and started really upgrading some of our programs. But now fast forward, yeah, we signed a deal with Big Machine Records, which they have Brantley Gilbert, Justin Moore, Florida yeah. Georgia Line, you know, yeah. Cheryl Crow, Aaron Lewis, a bunch of other awesome people. Um, and we signed with them to release our music because I told them that, you know, this these this music that we're creating is for veterans by veterans. It's complete, it's not proud to be an American. It's straight up veteran war stories, veteran stories about transition, veteran stories to their family, to their spouses, to their kids, telling them things that they could, don't know how to talk about. And so, and some inspirational, some, it's just, it's all over the place, but it's all stuff that we just, veterans feel connected to. And so I said, you know, there's 20 suicides a day in the veteran military space. 14 of those 20 don't actually seek help. So they're not going to seek help. So by partnering with Big Machine Records, and then on top of that, partnering with Amazon, so that now you could say, Alexa, play music by veterans, and now it plays our music. I was like, this is a way to get in the homes of those veterans who don't seek help. So now if they're listening to our music and the artist is creative ads, and now they search creative ads on Google, they find us, they see we have online programs, we have in-person programs, we have art programs, music programs, and all these, now we could find those 14 that don't seek help and hopefully end up helping them. So it's a whole like trajectory. And uh, we've also opened programs at this University of Southern California, Virginia Commonwealth University, um, at Zach Brown's Camp Southern Ground, the Dallas Museum of Art, three, three um, VAs and like one in Cincinnati, one in Columbus, one in Cleveland that we offer online programs with. Um, and we partner with multiple nonprofits to help expand our reach, but it's all based around uh, just helping empower wounded veterans to heal through the arts. Cool. Cool. Yeah, no, it sounds, I mean, uh, starting from only nine people in 2013 to almost coming up a decade later, you got programs across the U S partnered with Amazon, um, partnered with big machine records. It's definitely, you got, it's you, how many, how many people are probably in the last, year songwriters wise would you say you guys have worked with just growing are you talking about like the pro songwriters or the veterans who are writing their story um I'd say, uh, veterans like veterans in the program yeah so we have now there's tears to it so okay. it used to be just the one-on-one -on -one writing session with the veteran that we invested a ton into just one veteran we still have that program but because of COVID and other things, we've expanded to, we have a partnership with the Country Music Hall of Fame that allows people to do some online songwriting there. Okay. We partnered with Johnny and Friends, another nonprofit to do group writing with veterans and uh, military, like it's called like military family something nonprofit. And we've written with some families of veterans. So, uh, and we've even taught kids of veterans how to write songs. So, I mean, if you look at, so all of last year, fiscal year for us we helped 185 veterans through our music programming just in the first six months of of this year we've helped like 390 veterans or family members wow. so it's it's went way up the the individual songs though haven't we've done some virtual rights but we held off for a while because it's really in person's where it's at right but we've done a few uh virtual rights i just did two rights last week in person um, but that, and that was some big rights. We wrote with Craig Morgan on one of them and with Tyler Farr on the other one. So those are like some of the bigger artist rights. And typically we're working with songwriters who've written songs for those people. 
But every once in a while, we get something cool like that where it's actual artists who want to write with the veterans. So, yeah, it's been it's been pretty mind blowing to see how fast we've been growing in the last two or three years. Problem is, is that when well, COVID, too, I'm sure. That's yeah, well, COVID has question, been, I'm sure. Yeah, restricted people. We still grow. We've still grown and and money and veterans served. But the moment we do something, even like this, sometimes we'll get veterans. Like we were just on Fox and Fox and Friends this Saturday, and all of a sudden we had like 20 people sign up for our programs. But those programs have been, you know, keep pushing back, and our waiting list keeps growing longer because the money doesn't doesn't outweigh it. So we'll have like 20 veterans, and a thousand bucks come in. Like that's what happened just on Saturday. Yeah. But it costs about two grand for one veteran to come to Nashville. So yeah. we're making our waiting list longer, which sucks, and then not being able to offset it. And that's why we have a bunch of these secondary programs that we're hoping to help veterans with. We even do streaming on Twitch and YouTube. And we have we had over 4,000 hours watched of our YouTube videos during COVID. Like for the first three months of COVID, we just put out art and music programming for free, like live streamed it, and then put it up on YouTube. So we're trying to give a bunch of free resources, but the coolest thing is that our music that we released through Big Machine, we now have probably 15, 16 songs that if you search Creative Vets as the artist on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, whatever you stream music on YouTube, you'll see all of our songs and they're all Creative Vets written songs that we've done studies on that show that they actually help veterans feel less alone out there, less isolated, and that someone understands them, which is a lot of the issues that we, we all struggle with. So our music, just being out there is a program in itself. And the, the awesome thing about that too, is that just by listening to it, veterans are helping themselves, but then their family gets to understand them better so they can send it out. But if they continue to listen to this music, it can create royalties for creative events to keep bringing veterans in. So by listening, you're helping yourself and you're helping other veterans come through the program eventually. So it's kind of, it's a huge win for everyone. Right. Yeah. Supporting, supporting some revenue and the streaming off the streaming then kind of goes yeah. back. It's cool that it goes back to the organization. Um, and more so you guys. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's really cool what you got going on there, especially, like I said, getting in such big partners. Um, Sounds like COVID's kind of derailed it a little bit, but still even at that, I mean, you're already working with over three, I'm, between veterans and their family with 300 people just in the last couple of months alone. And still, like you said, you're rolling out more and more services in the last couple of years. So COVID's not going to be here forever, but yeah, it sounds, yeah. Um, yeah, we kind of used it as a, as a turning point where we now help more people because of COVID. And then once COVID goes away, we'll continuously help those people, but be able to focus in on more of those one-on-one programs, which that's what makes us so good is that that one-on-one portion of it is amazing. And I wish everyone could do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it sounds awesome. Um, when you said uh, earlier, you were tar- talking about partnering with colleges, we'll talk about partnering with the, um, with the school in Chicago, primarily for, for an art program with is it kind of very similar with uh you mentioned like a partnership with um i don't know cal was it cal state or california state or somewhere university of southern california yeah um so is it something similar there of kind of being you have a program set up with the the college to for veterans to attend the school itself um or kind of art related classes there or song related class or songwriting it's mainly so at the schools it's been only art and uh we we enroll them into three-week 
fully accredited course that we design. And so we tell the schools that, hey, we're going to come in here. We're going to teach the class. Uh, we want some of your teachers or assistants to help us obviously do the whole class, but we're going to enroll the veterans. We're going to pay for their tuition, housing, food. They're going to come here and they're going to learn like normal students, but we're just going to do it at USC or at VCU or at SASE. Because again, if you can outweigh the uh, depression, anxiety, and all these other things that stop veterans from being successful, if you can outweigh all that with excitement or empowerment or anything else, you can be successful. And that's why we don't host these, these programs just at normal local community colleges or something else, because I want a veteran to be like, oh my gosh, I get to go to USC. It's been a dream of mine. And all of a sudden they're enrolling into our program specifically for that. But then we get to change their life through the curriculum of teaching them how to tell their story through art. Because just like the song, you end with an art piece that's specifically around what you need to talk about. That's why we write the songs. That's why we do the art. So it's the same setup. It's just a lot longer. You're more immersed into it. And uh, that's been honestly a more successful program because it's three straight weeks with other veterans teaching them how to tell that story and what I call transition in their warrior brain to their artist brain. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's, that's really cool. And kind of, and I, I understand exactly kind of what you're saying too. And there's a different power behind it too. When instead of just going to kind of the community college down the street, or, you know, it might be a, like a, a meeting at a VFW type thing hopping hopping on a plane or a car or somewhere and going somewhere for three weeks and sitting like especially like you know university of california um and then only with other veterans in just like a three-week immersive program can be life-changing uh, yeah. like I, I could just see it i'm like wow that instead of maybe just throwing a shit ton of medications at some things but that's a whole other conversation but that kind of immersive program i can imagine is therapeutic wise therapeutic and oh, yeah. networking and connecting with other people other like-minded people in a very similar situation because that's primarily what the people are, your backgrounds are coming from um <clears throat> yeah that's that's incredible and, and the cool thing that's right happening there. is that you're it's a lot of these veterans who don't feel like they fit in in college or want to go to college but once they're there we're learning in a group of just veterans but we have other classes going with all the civilians around like the students so over the three weeks, they start making connections with civilians and seeing how easy it is to actually go to school. Okay. And that if they could survive at like the most liberal art school in the country and be, feel like they're welcome and, and committed, they know that no matter where they fly back to, that they could go to college. And we've had multiple veterans enroll in the college for the first time ever after going through our program. So that's what it's about is just getting them access to the things that they thought they were held back from. Right, right. That's that's awesome too. That's all I didn't, I didn't even think about that yet. So you're giving the, yeah, you're helping these people kind of with like a catalyst that they can feel more accepted in that yeah. type of setting, in that, in that type of you know, educational setting. Because once we do it, we know it's, and that's what we need in the military too. It's like, you don't know you can go take that town until you do it. You could be scared all the way up to it, but you have someone who's like, you go there, this is what we're doing. Let's go attack. You go attack, you get done. You're like, oh my gosh, yeah, we took that town or we took that hill or we did this. In the world, this world, when we come home and we're trying to transition, we don't have that person to say it's okay. So we see this college as that town, but nobody's is backing us up and nobody's telling us what to do. So we're just kind of like, ah, this might not be accessible for me. But then all of a sudden you have someone come in and say, hey, I'm going to bring you to that town. And then we're going to go through this together. Now you're like, now once you've seen it and done it, you feel like you can accomplish anything and you can just keep taking towns. And once you know how to do that, 
And so that's what this, this program has been for a lot of people. Everything that we do is supposed to be, when you leave there, you feel like you could do it by yourself. So yeah. too many programs get stuck in the way that they help veterans is by being like, we're healing you through this process that you can only achieve if you come to our program. Ours is like flip the script. It's you're not getting a program. You're getting a syllabus. You're legitimately being enrolled like a student. So when you leave our program anywhere in the country, you can enroll in college anywhere. You can just a community college, a local state college, a private college. You could roll there and feel the same thing you felt when you went through our class. Same thing with songwriting. You can fly back home and just find songwriters in your area or start writing songs because now you've been through the process. You've learned the skills and our follow-up programs teach you even more about now that you have your song, how to actually write a song. And so you can do that from anywhere in the country. So again, give them, make sure that they can empower themselves as they leave and go off on this little adventure. Have you found a lot of the, the veteran songwriters um, really continue writing once they, once they come out of the program and they might go back, you know, go back home or. A ton of, yeah, a ton of them do. And these are people who've never written songs before. We don't, we don't send veterans who write songs through our programs unless they still haven't been able to tell their story. Um, so a lot of these veterans are brand new, never done it, never thought it was a process. And they leave here and all of a sudden now they're writing songs or writing even poetry just to get it out of them. So it's been pretty cool to see that process of people learn guitar just to learn their song and then also do songwriting. It's not, it's not the bulk of them, but it's, it's a good handful of them. But that's, again, why we're doing this is not to, we're not trying to make artists and make songwriters. Right. Yeah, we're yeah. trying to get them over that hump and that trigger that is setting them back so they can be successful and go to college for their first time or just use the guitar and, and words to help them when they go through a traumatic experience in the future. So they know they can lean on it, but not just, pursue it as a full-on career instead of bottling it up not talking about yeah. it yeah you're providing them another, another means that they can share it that is definitely unconventional but is really successful i mean yeah. i'm a musician I'm, I'm really passionate about music and i think it's 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 amazing what like what you guys are doing um and you have so many songwriters on board Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep this pop up really brief. I just wanted to highlight an organization. It's a 501c organization called Guitars for Vets. Guitars for Vets is a nonprofit organization run by veterans. Um, it's been around over a decade. There's chapters across the United States in most major cities, and they provide free guitars and guitar lessons in a group setting to veterans. Um, they take donations. They, I believe, are looking for volunteers, too. So if you are interested in any information about that, go to guitarsforvets.org. That is guitarsforvets.org. And back to the episode. Thank you. The songwriters are key, man. They volunteer. They volunteer their time. They, these people who write, they write. We have a guy who has like 18 number one hits, like as a writer. Nobody knows his name out in the world, but as a writer, everyone knows his name. And it's crazy that they lend their time to tell a veteran story when they know that they're not going to make money off it. They know that they're not writing the next hit. So yeah. they're taking the time to volunteer for free and tell a veteran story. So we use two pro writers with every one veteran. And we've had over a hundred and now like 30 veterans go through the one-on-one -on -one program. So at least probably two writers with each one. So we've had so many pro songwriters volunteer their time. Wow. And then I assume, um, so all the audio production wise and stuff like like producing is that is that in-house too is that kind of voluntary voluntary you know 
volunteer all no year. because there's something called the musicians union so even if they wanted to volunteer they can't so we do have to pay for that which kind of sucks but i understand why and if once now that we're starting we don't have to do that with the songs we're not releasing but every song that we release we have to do a full production of it and spend some money to get that done so we'll slowly back back record everything but some veteran songs they don't the veteran doesn't want them to be heard so and that's what we when we create this we said we're not writing these songs for everyone we're writing this for you if you want a song that only speaks to you and you never want another soul to hear it yeah yeah you just keep it never never release it and that's we have a few people who will never release their songs or let anybody else hear them because it's for them and that's all they needed exactly exactly um yeah i uh i can't think i can't think of any other questions um other than just it's just incredible it's incredible what you guys are doing like i said it's cool to hear the backstories i because i've been on the website and kind of i'm, I'm like i'm because i i work in the music industry so i'm like mm -hmm. big machine records like damn that's that's a big yeah one of the big label like one of the big in, in the country world one of the big labels i'm like holy yeah shit. it's the largest independent and, label yeah and um just it's it's insane and to hear in person i mean hundreds of people at this point and the journey is only going to continue i mean it's still relatively like you've been around 2013 but still a relatively young organization yeah a lot of the core partnerships and stuff like that are only in the last couple of years yeah uh, i imagine you guys are probably going to be looking for more colleges too to expand you know expand the the art program itself across the u.s um yeah i mean once we get the funding we we've had a ton of schools that actually approach us about putting like uw and notre dame and uh old dominion and tons of schools are like hey put your program at our school i'm like well do you have money for it because we don't so can you guys uh can you guys maybe uh, pay for it then yeah <laughs> like we'll come there if uh yeah yeah that's do they what is when they just so for even like anybody listening here listen to this when they do that program is it usually a certain time of year like when so, well yeah for for chicago it's summertime and then usc is wintertime i wanted like a wintertime school and a summertime school because to bring veterans to chicago in the winter is only going to make them worse <laughs> yeah well that's it's a good point okay um and i assuming i'm assuming like the wintertime one is that kind of around like what would be the the uh winter break yeah like december january ish time frame just whenever we could roll we only did the one usc program and we wanted to do another one but the place that we had the veteran housed at was changing locations and then COVID hit anyways. And so we we kind of stopped and started holding on to some of that money for a little bit so that we can hopefully re-engage with them for next winter. Gotcha. Okay. So you're thinking you're thinking this this year that program should be active again? Or? Potentially, yeah, depending on how the rest of this goes. Cause again with COVID and funding, uh funding across the board to nonprofits went way down and yeah, uh, lost something like nine to fifteen percent of all funding. And so we've been doing a little bit better than last year, but again, that doesn't mean that it's going to continuously go. Absolutely. So it really all depends on probably by halfway through this year, a little bit further, we'll have to reset where we're at. And if not, we'd have to throw it in because we are going to do a school there in Chicago one this summer in like mid July ish timeframe. And so we'll see where we're at with that one before we kind of commit to USC because it is such an expensive program. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I'm pretty good there. I think, uh, I think we got a pretty good, uh, pretty good recap of, of your life. Um, incredible story, incredible story, by the way. And 
coming out of the military, I mean, this freaking awesome organization that you started and just, it's just honestly been kicking ass for 10 years. Um, it sucks. COVID's kind of derailed things a little bit, but unfortunately COVID's derailed a lot of things. I, so I, uh, I work for live nation. Like I used to work at a venue in Philly and obviously I remember, I mean, it was like this time last year, I forget the exact date we're on right now, 2020th or something, but it was like this time last year, we were looking at our calendar and all of a sudden like exit, like all, we had all these shows planned out for you know, March, April, yeah. May, June, things that weren't even announced yet. And next thing you know, it was like, we're getting the phone calls, like, and just Xing off, Xing off, Xing off. And um, so, but it's a shame. I mean, you guys, you guys got a, good, a very good game plan and it sounds like just a strong road ahead. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I guess, and also I just remarkable story, remarkable story. Um, I'm, gl I'm glad you were able to, it took, it took you finding kind of solace and how the effect of art on your life to turn around to create this organization. Um, are you still serious? Are you still as artistic these days as back? Are you still creating a lot on, on your own? Yeah, I'm song sometimes. Yeah, but not just because I'm in the business portion of it. Right. I, I started a, an app too called We Should Write Sometime that helps connect songwriters with each other around the country, like Bumble or Tinder, and it's a free app. And so I kind of I run it down actually. Take... Yeah, We Should Write Time. It's pretty awesome. You could even geolocate your profile to Nashville or LA or New York and find writers there. No, we, we Should Write Sometime. Yeah. And uh, the the reason behind that too, so when the veterans leave here, that they could start writing. That's not a part of Creativists, but it's a reason why I created it was before Creativists in the future. Uh -huh. And so I run that and Creativists. I have a CEO for We Should Rise Time, but I kind of bounce between both, but mainly Creativists. Um, so my most of my time has been it's still creating, but it's in a different way. Because as a as an owner or a nonprofit leader. I'm creating all these new situations and these new uh, strategic partnerships, which is making me be creative right? without the actual, you know, construction of a vessel or something else, which both is very therapeutic. When you're able to go from like six months out and say, hey, how cool would it be to get in the homes of veterans by partner with Amazon with a cool saying. And all of a sudden, six months later, I have that, like the creative ability it took for me to get in the rooms, the right people to make those connections and those asks. That alone is kind it's, of it's getting yeah yeah it's getting 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 in the right meetings getting in the right door that's um, one of my best friends who who was uh, in uh, he was in my my glass guard unit he's uh, on the entrepreneur path right now with the startup and honestly the way that he's very similar to what you're saying but the way he describes it it's getting creative a lot yeah um, learning how to brand correctly learning what exactly to say who to say it to like even the networking aspect of it is like there's almost like a creativity yeah uh un unconventional we definitely don't think, think about it as like an artistic in yeah. an artistic way but the, i'm like the way he describes it because he, he's a musician too and like i almost the way it's funny you saying that because the way i think about it in my conversations with him it's like you know like it is kind of like you're thinking this thing crafting how am i crafting this pitch that it sounds perfect to that it's it's going to be Cause we, I've met both these people before and I know I got to buy basically both of their good sides and this pitch has to, so it's got, this pitch has got to be crafted perfectly to win both of them over, even though they're both yeah. like two different backgrounds, like one operational and one like in procurement kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
just kind of a side note, but it's funny you're saying that because it, it is really true. And it also goes to show how much that like these kind of things can affect, can bring an influence over your life to help in, in many other ways. I mean, obviously as a, an outlet for, for veterans, um, but just, I mean, just being a creative in general, I don't have any statistics offhand, but I've seen them all the time. I mean, the, the benefits of, the benefits of even just a general, ed, general education, music education coming out of high school and things like that. Um, but, but yeah, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think I'm good there. I don't have any, I don't have any more questions or anything. Uh, it's, I'm going to, if you want to go ahead and, and throw out, uh, just all the socials, any, I, I heard you guys are on Twitch too. I'm definitely going to make sure to check out the, check out Twitch. Um, but yeah, so it's, I assuming creative vets kind of across the board, you yep. guys have a YouTube channel, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, Spotify. I know I follow you guys on Spotify already, but Spotify, Facebook, all of the, um, yeah, all the socials or any any yeah, everything just run out creative vets and you'll find us. Uh, some are like creative vets one, but you know because something might have been taken. But all of them, when you search creative vets, you'll see us. We have a pretty good searchability and SEO or whatever you call it uh, on everything. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely. How else do you guys put stuff on a uh, Twitch? Is it like just live streams or? Kind no, of yeah, it's mainly just live streams. We haven't done a few. It's we took a little while we pushing our music, we stopped, but we did we did two streams every day for like two months straight with number one writers and song and, and uh guitarists and artists and just put out stuff on Twitch and Mixer when it was still around and Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. And then all those just live on YouTube right now. So we'll get back into teaching those classes. Uh it's just been a minute before. And every time we do like a little event like something's coming up called big payback here in Nashville that we'll probably do almost a 24 hour Twitch stream possibly for where we just have artists and people play music and teach some stuff and um, play video games. Cause we have a whole streaming room on the other side of this wall with a gaming computer and two monitors so that we can teach our art programs, but also get veterans into our facility to play games so that we could teach them art and music on the way out. Gotcha. Quick question. I'm assuming a uh, big payback is like a kind of just like a big non profit day in, in nashville or a, like yeah. a non-profit fundraising like awareness day yeah i never heard of it but just by name i'm assuming oh yeah yeah but and yeah it's uh probably past the, the time that this comes out <laughs> but okay. it's uh yeah it's like may 4th or may 5th or something here in nashville we're all the local community like it's almost like the gamified nonprofit fundraising to where yeah. if you if you raise the most individual donors in say like a three hour period, you'll get an extra thousand bucks from them. And then if you get the closest donation to midnight or to noon, you'll get another 500 bucks. So they have, they kind of gamified it. So you're looking for the most unique individual donors, the biggest donation, all these things, and these little three hour blocks just to win extra money. That's cool. Yeah, it's a whole 24 organized hour by, organized by the city or anything or yeah. Like the it's, it's the community foundation of Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Heck yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think I think that's all I got. I mean, I uh, I think we're pretty pretty good wise. Um, I uh, yeah, I don't know if, if you have anything anything you want to close out on or. Um, no, I mean, I think I covered all the awesome points, <laughs> especially with the music. Yeah, yeah you. Uh, I I know. Uh, I think you said you've been on been on some podcasts before you definitely have a really good just presentation that it's just like, maybe it's just a, the Marine coming out, which is <laughs> bad, bad, but like, you're good. Like, I'm like, 
I don't say anything, man. He's hitting all the points. Like, I appreciate it. I, I usually read the the person too. And I say, okay, how's this going to go? How long should I speak? And I open up to questions. Yeah, I wasn't this good. It took me a while, but I've been now public speaking and doing podcasting for a little bit of time now. So, but it's been good. It's, I'm it's sure, always fun I'm to have sure these conversations. Fox and friends a couple of times is definitely, uh, or, or Fox in the morning or has probably helped out too. Oh yeah. That's the weirdest stuff when it's live. Like this is obviously live to be recorded later, right. which is always so much. Easier. I just did a keynote for Rutgers university and uh, I pre-recorded it and then portion of it live. But uh, I had to do the recording a second time because even recording something with nobody on the other side is harder than doing this for the first time. So I can tell my story with you and be flawless for an hour. But then I try to tell my story without nobody on a computer for an hour and I messed it up. And so I had to re-record it. So it took me two hours. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I can, I, that's, it's some, it's a situation I haven't had to been in, haven't had to be in yet with like, I'm trying to think of the aspect of like when you're, when you're on, when you're on TV and you're talking to like the guest host, which you're and you're actually talking, like, do you see them on a, on a camera kind of thing? Just... Well, it depends. So the last times I was on, I was actually in person. These last ones I wasn't on. It was the songwriters that were on it. Okay. Um, but when I was on in person, I mean, it was still insane the way that they're rushing in and out for these little segments. And the people were just brief, like seconds before on your name again, like Richard from Creative Vets. And even the like when I was on there, it was, it was Veterans Day and it was me and Matt Best uh, and then Joey Jones, Double MT Marine. Yeah. And then they even reached out right when it was commercial break. They said, okay, how do I say creative vets, right? And I said, yeah. And then right when we opened up, he's like, we got Richard from Creati Vet. Like, he said it, but then when he read it, he said, like, we, I'm like, no, the military creates vets. We are creative vets. Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So, yeah. But it, they're just getting tossed up mile a minute. So, there's always crap yeah, stuff that happens. Perfect. But channeling to yeah yeah especially yeah. i guess the, the quick little like quick little cutaway stories where it's like all right you have two minutes yeah um yeah that's that's still awesome though that's still mm -hmm. awesome but um uh anyways yeah i think uh if, if if you're good i'm definitely good yeah um, thanks for coming on man and uh i think i think i'm good with wrapping it up there yeah thanks for having me all right that's a wrap on my interview with richard casper if you are interested in learning more about Creative Vets, please check out www.creativevets.org. One more time, that's www.creativevets.org. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, and we will be back with we will be back in the first week of May with our next interview. Thank you.